What's up? We're back. Cat four questions, one dog. Lala is going crazy on the farm, getting used to all this new stuff. But all right, four questions. Here we go. Let's hit it. So I have a cat four question. What are your thoughts on block periodization? Five hard days in one week, and then one hard workout the following weeks, etc. Dot dot dot. So shout out Dylan Johnson. He just posted this video, so I'm assuming this user just watched it. And I really like Dylan's video. I made a comment that I thought it was a really good post. Um, what do I think of block periodization for most athletes? Yes, if you're an experienced athlete, if you have been training a lot, no, if you're just getting to start into your training, if you're only one or two years into the training, because you need to be able to go through what was traditionally called just a kitchen sink week. Okay, now we're calling it block periodization. If you're not familiar or if you haven't watched Dylan's video, it's one big massive week. And then I think Dylan did three or four easier weeks where you have one hard, one to two hard workouts. Now, initially right off the bat, you know, the less experienced athletes not going to have enough volume in the body. So it's going to lead to them having non-functional overreaching, basically meaning you're not going to absorb the training even after you do the rest period. But even so, my biggest thing or issue with it is that you're not going to be able to get enough high quality training in the first week. And so if you look at Dylan's week, he did eight by four minutes of VO2 max. Then the next day he did four by 15 minutes at just over FTP. Those first two days, most cyclists are going to, they have a hard time with VO2 max. Um, and most cyclists aren't really that great at four by 15 minutes at hundred percent. So those two days alone is going to be the most that you're going to be able to complete. He then did on Friday, some 30 thirties, which aren't my favorite, but it is a hard workout. You're actually able to increase your maximal aerobic power by doing the more traditional ones they did on Tuesday. So I would say if you're going to do a block, do those two types of VO2 max, just skip the 30 thirties, the Tabata intervals. Then he did two races. So, Tell me that, that most athletes can get even through that week to reap the benefits from that fitness bump. It's just not really feasible. Uh, the other thing, I took some notes because there was a lot going on in the video. Um, the other thing is most athletes then, if you start feeling good a couple days after that, they're not gonna rest enough and they're gonna just throttle it again. And that's, I don't, he says, you know, that's going to lead to overtraining. I don't think you're going to overtrain yourself within a block. You're just going to get pretty dull and feel tired and be cranky. And then you're going to send yourself into this, I need to rest more. And it really just throws off your whole schedule. So I don't think that is a great, great thing to go through. Now, when I'm talking about a kitchen sink week, this was happening 10 years ago in training. It just didn't have the name as I was saying. So what, if the athlete can handle that stimulus, this was the bump that you're getting because you gotta remember there's, you're listening to Tim Cusick and he's always talking about progression and I agree with that 100%. Progress in time, duration, reduce your rest, uh, interval, however you wanna progress. But then as you're getting closer to an event, you can do this kitchen sink week. You're basically flipping everything on its head. You're doing a big week first and then tapering into the event. So I really don't think you need about two weeks after this big week. You don't need three or four weeks to recover. Um, every athlete can't handle that though. And that week 
is going to either have them not doing hard enough workouts or doing too many that they don't absorb the training or doing too many that they just crack in the next 10 days are kind of meh, okay? So if the athlete had trained a lot, it's a cat one, two pro athlete and they can handle the stimulus, we used to do a big day on Tuesday that hopefully would include like a training race. Then you're gonna do a big day on Wednesday in terms of volume. Then Thursday, you're gonna have a lot of high intensity. You're gonna rest Friday and then do a massive weekend like 11 to 12 hours of riding, or if you can, go race. So this was the kitchen sink week was block periodization, okay? And then you just taper in, you're keeping, you're reducing the volume, keeping the intensity high, and then doing it again and coming into the race. And I have videos on tapering. It's different than a rest week, but there's a way to do it. You're gonna stay sharp up until the event while kind of freshening up the body. You know, this also kind of ties in the question that we're bringing up now. Most athletes, they're not gonna be able to do this. And that's why it's hard for some athletes to peak. In order to peak, you need to do the overload. And the overload is only possible if you can really handle it. If you're training eight to 10 hours, you don't really need to do that. Just train in a progressive manner. Skip this block periodization type training and that's really involved in peaking and I have another video on that. Um, You don't need to do that. So just train hard and then taper into the race and you'll do great. Oh, the other thing too is with block periodization, a lot of people when they have super hard workouts prescribed to them, if they don't nail it 100%, they get mental and they get crazy and they think that they're awful. I'm horrible. I suck. What's wrong with me? Da 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 da. And you got to talk that athlete off the ledge. So if I have someone go do VO2 max and then an FTP workout and then a 30-30 and then two hard workouts on the weekend, they're going to be blasted. They go on the mental death spiral and like just trying to coach someone on that that's not confident in themselves is really hard. Um, I try to really prime athletes for when it's a hard block and say, hey, you might not be able to finish this. We're going to try because you really need to push the envelope and pushing the envelope is where you make the gains. This is you know, kind of why I'm very anti-sweet spot. That's not pushing the envelope. That is getting people fit And then when people get fit, they keep doing it, thinking that it's gonna get them fitter and they end up getting dropped. So I'm gonna have a whole other post on that. But anyways, um, you know, you have athletes too and they get in this mental death spiral Then they're like, I need to take time off. And then they get all like, they're not sure what to do and they don't necessarily trust the plan or the progression. And then they're gonna lose training time and they're gonna lose in the big picture training load kilojoules that you're putting out, work that needs to be done. Doing work is really important, okay? Um, That is gonna make you faster, stronger, and a better cyclist. So to sum it up, block periodization, yes, if you're a really advanced athlete and you think that peaking is right for you, um, no for most. I just don't think you're gonna get, you're not gonna reap the rewards and it's a very nuanced thing that you gotta know your body really well. So it kind of goes without saying that you have to have been training probably three to five years, I'd say at the minimum, at high training to really nail it. And Dylan talks, I think it's a great video, he talks about how he didn't do it right 
Um, he did it really well for Belgium Waffle Ride, and he had an amazing result there. So it worked for him. But he has a lot of things that are like, hey, guys, there are flags here. Be careful of these pitfalls. I think doing that without a coach, I would not recommend it. Um, and yeah, thumbs up to Dylan for that video. Okay, next question, number two. Uh, hey, your season planning videos came at the right time. So you talking about the five blocks to racing. My biggest weakness is sprinting peak power and getting that acceleration for that short, strong separation move or finish sprint. Does it help me to do a few high intensity efforts during my base training rides? Not like intervals, but some outbursts. Or should I shelve those for December, January? There are some short climbs here, like one to two minutes. Maybe those would be helpful, question mark. And if so, would you do it in the beginning or near the end of the long ride? So there's a lot of going on in this question. Um, number one, if you have issues with sprint power, you definitely want to be in the gym lifting if sprinting is going to be how you win. Um, again, I preach that most people are not sprinters. If you have sprint, natural sprint abilities, then I would go and spend time increasing your sprint power. But most athletes that are going to win from like a small bunch and who are going to not necessarily win like a 20 man pack sprint because you're going to get beat by a true sprinter. You really want to be spending your time on FTP, VO2 max work, and get occasional sprint workouts in. But I wouldn't overly focus on it just because you're not great at it. Because if you get, if you're not, if you don't have any natural inclination to being a sprinter, improving your sprint's not going to beat a sprinter, right? Does that make sense? So like, ask the the real question, like, how are you going to win the race? It might not be sprinting, so don't spend a lot of time on that. But if he thinks he needs it for this finish sprint, then yeah, you want to be doing these in simulations of when you're actually going to be sprinting. This is when the, the workout that most people skip that I give that I used to love doing was town line sprints or in Tennessee, people do stop ahead sprints because there doesn't seem to be as many town lines around. Um, they don't put them town to town. They only do county signs sometimes where you're on a group ride and once January, February hits, Every time you see a town line, it's a group sprint for it. That practices the dynamic of a sprint. That mimics a race. That's really good. So lifting and town line, like just these fartlek town line sprints, just whenever they pop up, really good for this type of training. Does it help me to do a few high intensity efforts during the base training rides? I would say no. When you're doing base, you really want to keep it zone two, zone three max. And, you know, I'm not a big person that's always like, look at the data, but there's something that happens and I don't know all the science behind this, but once you start activating that glycolytic system, once you start going super hard above, even at threshold or above, you're changing the physiology of what's happening and the whole point of the ride. Endurance rides need to be endurance. So keep them at that. Um, should I shelve these for December, January? I really think... I think if I remember this person is from the Northeast that emailed me and they're not going to be racing until April, you don't need to be sprinting hard until February. Okay. Now, if you're going to be racing in February and you want to start doing some town line group stuff, let's say it's early February, then yeah, you could start in late December. You only need about six to eight weeks. Um, don't go crazy with it unless you're trying to be a true sprinter, in which case you're on like a sprint training plan where you're doing a couple workouts a week. You're lifting super heavy specifically for that. But um, this guy is, is not that. 
Uh, short climbs, one or two minutes. No, those aren't sprints, right? Those are anaerobic efforts. Um, two minutes is getting less anaerobic than a one minute effort, but those aren't sprints. If you're talking sprints, you know, 10 to 15 seconds all out, um, that's what you wanna be going after. And when you're doing them, if you're trying to max out your wattage, make sure you get full rest, get five to eight minutes between each sprint uh, so you can really squeeze out as much as possible from that. And then do it in the beginning or near the end of a long ride. Do it in the beginning if you're trying to get the most max wattage possible. Do it at the end of a ride or during the ride like we're talking about before if you're trying to make it more race specific. Learn how to sprint when you're tired. I mean, that's important. I think when you have these mid-season group rides and kitchen sink rides, and whatever, ending with hard efforts, I usually don't end with sprints. I usually end with VO2 max efforts because that's how I win a bike race. Or I'll do like a fast 30, which I don't necessarily prescribe to people because a lot of people are so focused on watts, but it's like, how fast can I go for 30 minutes? Um, it really helps that kind of like, how do I get away and stay away mentality. Practice how you think you're gonna win the race and you'll learn a lot about yourself. Okay, question number three. Just reread your blog on why obsessing over your CTL can ruin your race season. And after seeing it on your Strava comment, I had a couple questions. My takeaway is to stick to a plan and take rest as needed if your body is feeling. But I'm wondering how you know if you've got enough rest. If you can get on the bike after recovery week at the end of a build phase and feel toasted all week, but get through the workouts, that's not the vibe I'd want to ring in a new block, correct? But I guess I'd usually tell myself I got enough rest in that week and I should be good. Okay, well my first question is how would you feel toasted but get through the workout? Oh, maybe because it's recovery week, you don't feel great, but you're able to do recovery rides. Okay, um, I've been trying some trainer road stuff and I finished the high volume build phase and I ended up adding some fun riding for volume, but since have finished, I've been kind of dusted. Well, if you're already doing high volume, you shouldn't be adding more. I mean, I like the trainer road guys. Um, I don't know all their programs, but if you're on high volume and you're adding volume, you're probably doing too much. My power is fine, but my heart rate is high when rested and riding. That probably means you're rested though. Um, I only mentioned the trainer road stuff because I've heard you on their podcast and I just want to give a context. So I guess circling back, how do you know when to get back to intensity if you're not relying on metrics? Well, metrics are good, but I just did a post on understanding how well, CTL and ATL and TSB, how that can be very confusing when you've done a huge block, how the metrics do get kind of skewed. Um, again, if you're doing high volume and you're adding volume, you're probably tired. Then if you're going through this rest week and you're feeling kind of dusted, you might've really smoked yourself, it sounds like. Uh, because usually the rest week, it's re it should be rejuvenating. You should feel not tired by Tuesday or Wednesday, right? Like you did your big ride Sunday. You're like, I'm smoked. Wednesday comes, you, you do a very easy ride. You get a great night's sleep Monday night. Tuesday, you're kind of like, got, you're getting your kick back in your step. By Wednesday, you should feel hungry to start riding again, but you don't. You keep resting and you do your openers. You do a power dip test, test your anaerobic durations to feed the system, the values that you need. Um, I'll make a post on that, but it's really like Tim Cusick talks about this, about testing for the power duration curve to keep all the algorithms accurate. 
And then you get back to riding on the weekend in some group rides and stuff. So in those five days, your body, and I actually like this, Dylan mentioned this in his video, it's not uncommon to feel kind of stale when you come back. By next Tuesday or Wednesday, you'll feel good, but that Saturday and Sunday can be pretty tough. I usually only prescribe like a three hour ride on Saturday and Sunday just to get people back and rolling because you take that week and go easy and reduce the volume. When you come back, the legs are stiff and by hour three, they're usually like done. Um, so how do you know when to get back to intensity? I wouldn't rely only on heart rate. Your heart rate, heart rate will be higher as you get rested. Like when you're in deep in a block, it's gonna be really low. That's when people are like, I can't get my heart rate up. Um, but you really, sounds like you just overdid it. So how do you know that you can get back to intensity? Go and do a couple short rides on the weekends that have some intensity, right? And see how you do. If your numbers suck, you're probably still tired because when you come back from five days rest, anaerobic efforts should be high. And you might only be one or two. Like if you're going full blast, but you should be coming pretty close to like a 90 day PR, let's say, maybe a season PR. A lot of people lifetime PR then. But after that effort, you're like gassed. Um, and listen to your body. Do you feel tired? Do your eyes have that tired feeling? You know, did you, how's your sleep? Um, how's your appetite? Like, do you feel normal? Uh, it sounds like a dumb question, but if you feel normal, you're good. If you feel off, take a couple extra days and then ease back into it. Just go ride. Don't do intervals. Just go ride. Uh, it's really important. Listen to your body. Question number four, couldn't find the answer on your blog. Breathing while sprinting. What is beneficial for those 10 to 20 second all out finish line sprints? I get the idea that I'm so caught up in pushing the pedals that my breath control is is bad. And when I start to realize that I go into the track sprinter pumping type of breathing, so short and heavy in and out, if that makes any sense. Any idea or am I overthinking this and should I just let the body do its thing? This is a great question. Uh, the answer I would say is that you wanna be taking deeper breaths as you're getting ready for the sprint. You usually know when the sprint is going to happen. That's when I start to really think like, like get the body as calm as possible. And when you're sprinting, I don't think in and out is, is what you wanna be doing. If you can still be taking deep breaths, if you're only sprinting 10 to 20 seconds, you're not gonna be <laughs> until about 30 seconds into like a VO2 max effort. So sprinting, take deeper breaths and I think you're gonna find yourself being more controlled in the sprint and having better control of really stomping on the pedals and pushing out watts, as this guy said. So that's my answer to sprinting and breathing. And with that, was that four questions? One, two, three. Four, it was. All right, Cat Four questions in the books. Thanks for watching. Tell a friend, submit your questions. Brendan at Evoke Bike. Thanks. See ya.